We are going to read a scripture together. So take a deep breath and be ready to go into the Word. And let us read this together. Can we all read this aloud together? For this cause. Amen. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth, and everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. The officer that was standing beside the Lord Jesus Christ slapped him on his face. With the palm of his hand. And he said to him. That's not the way to talk to a priest. That's you and me. Slapping the creator the one who created us that the one who created our our hands we open it and slap it across the face because he said you have heard me preach openly in the synagogue if you want to know about my doctrine and my teaching you could have asked those people what i taught there was nothing to hide And the officer slapped him on his face. See, today, we want to look at, for this cause I was born. For this cause I came into the world. For this cause, I was willing to get a slap from people. Because I knew what I came for. And we want to look at, for this cause I have come. I have come for this cause to declare my kingship and my kingdom and to bear witness so that you can have eternal life. For that cause. And then I want to talk about our cause. Why are we here? That for this cause, we are also here to declare the mighty works of God and also bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. For this cause. So in this time of the quest... For singularity, super intelligence, a Godhead based on artificial intelligence and immortality, people need, people need to come to the full knowledge of the message and the mission of the Alpha and Omega. Jesus came to declare his kingship and his kingdom and bear witness to the truth that we may have eternal life. We are born to live and declare the mighty works of God and bear witness to Jesus. So we are born for a cause, just as Christ was born for a cause. That's what he said. That's what you read. 
For this cause, I was born. <coughs> For this cause, I came into the world. Stephen Hawkins died last Tuesday. He wrote a book, The Brief History of Time. Very popular book. Millions of copies were sold from that book. This is the story that the world began with the Big Bang and will end with the black hole. And the, and the Big Bang became a big deal, a big thing. And the black hole is not just a black hole. They found that the black hole, it, 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 it radiates, a, 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 there's a, emits radiation. That one day it will evaporate and there will be no black hole. That will be the end of the earth and the universe that we know. When he was giving interview with his book, The Grand New Design, The Grand Design, uh, do Spanish uh, El Mundo, he said there in the interview that there is no God. That no one created the universe. There is no God that no one created the universe. One of the goal and one of the costs that he has, what he was born for, was to understand universe as it is and tell us all about what the universe is. And he lived for it and he died for it. And he said at the end of it, there is no God. No one created the universe. In fact, those who believe in afterlife and heaven, uh, that's a sad thing for you, right? Because there's nothing. It's because you're afraid of the dark. And he talked about lately, uh, in March 10, at the Star Talk, uh, to this astrophysicist, uh, Mr. Tyson. And this is one thing that he said that blew the mind of a lot of people. And maybe even ours too. And he said, because there is such a law as gravity, because there is such a law as gravity, spontaneous creation can and will happen. See? From nothing. Because there is such a law as gravity, spontaneous creation can and will happen from nothing, out of nothing. What he is saying is, this universe that we know was created out of nothing, and it can be created out of nothing. That blew a mind, that blew the mind of a lot of people. And especially if you're not a Christian, and if you're an atheist, and you have this scientific mind, that is almost impossible. You cannot create something out of nothing. Nothing means nothing. Right? And this is giving, people are going crazy with this one. How can you create something out of nothing? Spontaneous creation. A lot of you that are scientific mind this morning, again look at the spontaneous fluctuation in the vacuum and how two particles come together and create something, you know, it must be because of the fluctuation. Let's not go into that. Right? But I, I'm talking about this. Christ has come to declare His kingdom and His kingship, to bear witness to the truth, so He gives eternal life to say uh, that He is the Creator, He is the Master. And the created stand side by side. Jesus and Stephen King's and Stephen No, there is no God, there is no Creator, there is no universe. I mean, there is, there is no one that created the universe. It would be an interesting dialogue between the Lord Jesus Christ and Stephen King. 
I wish they were here because I can't do that, you know. But what I do know is that I heard something when I was in kindergarten, right? That uh, in the beginning God created the heaven and earth, and the world, and the and the earth was without form and it was void. Because when Stephen King said March 10 to the start talk, I know what there was before Big Bang, and people were like, "What's there before Big Bang?" And he said, "Nothing." Really? There was nothing. Yeah, but that's what the Word of God said. There was nothing before the Big Bang. It was God that took the nothing and created. It could be a bang. And created the universe. That's what I was taught in kindergarten. In Sunday school. I knew it all along that there was nothing before the Big Bang. But it was God who took the Big Bang and created light. Light could be a bang. Light could be the big bang. Christian faith is not against science. Science and our faith go together. When the scientific mind is sanctified by God, oh, that is amazing. That's what amazing happens. See? So we are praying that your scientific mind will be sanctified by God so we can see the mind of God. The glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. Born for this cause. I was born for this cause. So I came into this world. See? And uh, for this cause. What is for this cause? When you read 30. Uh, for this cause that I came. Because Pilate asked. You're a king then. That's the question. For this cause you're a king. Yes. I came to declare my kingship. My, my kingdom. That I am the king of the universe. I am the king of kings. And lord of lords. For this cause I have come. To declare that I am king. I am king. And this is very. I want to take you to an interesting statement here. The wise king from the east came. The wise king from the east came. And when they came to King Herod. There is one line that they ask. You know what that line is? It's a powerful line, powerful statement. He said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? That was the line. You know why that is a powerful statement? Why? Because no one is born, born a king or a queen. You're born as a prince or a princess. You're never born as a king. This is not a statement by mistake. Jesus was born as a? Amen. He is the only one that was born as a king. And for this cause, he came to declare, I'm the king of the world. I'm the king of the universe. I have come to rule and to reign. And I want you to rule and reign with me. For this cause, I have come. You know, this tension... And contention with the claim of Jesus has been there from the beginning of his birth. From the beginning, the tension and the contention has been there from the beginning of the birth. How do you know that? You go back to Herod. He wanted to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. He killed a lot of babies. Hoping that he will kill the Lord Jesus Christ. That tension and contention was there. There was also a tension between the high priest. What was his name? Caiaphas. 
Right? There was a tension and contention on what? On the claim that he is the king. On the claim that he has come for this cause. To this world. To save the world and to give eternal life. And there is one thing that Caiaphas and the priest. Caiaphas the high priest and God agreed. Do you know what that one thing is that they agreed? They agreed that there should be one man that should die to save the people. Okay? They agreed on that. Because Caiaphas has been talking to the Jews that it should be one person that should die from the people. For the people. For the nation. God agrees to that too. The difference on what they disagreed is on what they should die for. Right? Because Caiaphas was building up that Christ should be killed and murdered and crucified to save the Jewish nation from the Roman Empire. That the Roman government will not come and subdue the Jewish nation and consider this as a rebellion against their authority. But it was for crowd, for God. It was what? What what? It was to save the people from all nations. From sin and death. So we can have eternal life. They agreed that Jesus should die. They disagreed on the purpose. Are we there? How are we doing this morning? We're doing good so far, right? Okay. So. He came for a cause. The cause is to declare that He is our Creator. The cause is to declare to this world that He is the King. He is the King of the universe. And He got slapped on the face. He got slapped on the face. For this cause I was born. There is no God. No one created the universe. Stephen King. And we know there's nothing before things were created. And there was a man named Jesus who was born a king so that we can have eternal life. Talking about eternal life. Because we are talking about there is no God. There is no existence. No one created the universe. And there is a man named Jesus coming to say, In fact, I come for this cause to save the world. Because I created this universe. I created people in my image. In God's image. And I'm going to, I, I want to save them. I want to give eternal life to them. And this immortality. Let me talk about this immortality. Immortality is the most fashionable thing in Silicon Valley right now. Okay? Immortality is the most fashionable thing in Silicon Valley right now. But let me tell you that immortality has been in the market from the ancient of days. Did you know that? Now, if you... We don't have time to go into a lot of this, but go and read the epic of Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh is the ruler of Babylon. And there is this idea of immortality in that story long before the Bible. Long before the Bible came. What happens is uh, uh, he, when his companion, uh, Inudu, died, he had to go looking for immortality. Uh, something to get, that, to, to bring back to life. 
And in his journey of searching for immortality, he ended up with, it is not worth looking for immortality. The life that we have here, if we spend time and cultivate and nurture and take care of it, that is good enough. That was his conclusion in that epic of Gilgamesh. But immortality has been there. Like in Chinese, so Babylon civilized, Babylonian civilization, one of the oldest, Chinese civilization, one of the oldest civilization, it was known as the elixir of immortality, where you can take some metal or some material and turn it to a pure, pure high quality gold, gold, and then you drink it and you will live forever. In fact, a lot of Chinese rulers drank that gold and they died. Uh, yes, it's a historical fact. Okay, you go and read in the history of China how many rulers died, died drinking that gold. Now in Greek, in Greek mythology, in Greek civilization, it was known as the ambrosia. It's the drink of the gods. So they drink that and they live forever. In the Indian civilization, it's known as the soma. It's the drink for the gods. And you drink that and you live forever. And in the 17th century, you have the alchemy, the philosopher's stone. The, the, the base of which can turn like mercury and other metals into pure gold. And you drink that and you will live forever. It has been in the market since forever. Immortality has been in the market since forever. But here in Silicon Valley, Ray Kurzweil has predicted that by 2045, we will achieve this singularity. The singularity of becoming a spiritual machine that we will be able to live forever. Right? And people have put a lot of money into this. Okay, it's more than funny actually, right? This is uh, because uh, uh, I think people like immortality to live forever. That's one thing I found out, right? And now, not only uh, Ray, Ray uh, Kurzweil, but uh, uh, Calico. It's a, it's a longevity lab created by Google, by the co-founder, Sergey, and uh, invested by Larry Pagan. One billion dollar has been invested in Calico for longevity of life. The goal is to find that people will live a healthier life and a longer life and even attain immortality. There is a church, a new way of the future, right? And uh, uh, Anthony Lewandowski, the former engineer of Google, Google, this is what he has said in the in the the way of the the way of the new future church. If you go to the website, it says human united, human united to do what for peaceful transition, come to the precipice of consciousness. He's looking at. People-to-people transfer to super machine based on artificial intelligence. So there is a peaceful transfer from people to people to machine. And when that happened, when that singularity happened, we will live forever. The goal for Ray Kurzweil and Anthony and others is that when the singularity happens, our intelligence will be increased by billionfold, and you put all the intelligence we have created and put it together, and we will have that singularity. This is the reason why the f- our brain are being uh, free, the body, 
this is a real thing. It's a big thing. It's a very fashionable thing in Silicon Valley. Immortality is in the market. Okay? So when Anthony Lewandowski, when he said that um, he wants to work for the betterment of the community, but at the same time looking for the Godhead based on artificial intelligence. There will be a Godhead one day that would rule human being. And we see that future coming. So in the face of there is no God, in the face of looking for a spiritual machine who will be a Godhead, in the time where we'll live forever as a spiritual machine, what do we do with Jesus? I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. What do we do with that? Born to bear witness. John wrote about this. That Christ has come to bear witness that his kingdom is not from here. That his kingdom is not of this world. And he told Pilate, if my kingdom was from here, my servants would fight for me. And then you go to John, and John described this other world in John 20, Revelation 21. And he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the old have passed away. Right? Because one thing I agree uh, with uh, Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Elon Musk is one of the most respected uh, leader CEO in Silicon Valley. Two years in a row, right? By far more popular than even Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is way at the bottom. 23% of the startup CEOs voted Elon Musk as the highly respected, most respected CEO in the Valley. Far second, Jeff Bezos from Amazon. I, one thing I agree with Stephen King and Elon Musk is that the world is going to end. And Stephen King said that we must colonize space. And before impending disaster or anticipate things that we cannot control, we must go and colonize space. Space is the answer for us. And this is one thing Elon Musk have said, is that this artificial intelligence is going to be more dangerous than you think. We got to work and do something. In fact, United States government this week formed a new agency, Center of New America Security. They just formed this week to fight what? Artificial intelligence. I remember this week too, that our president, Mr. Donald Trump, said that we need a space force and people laugh about it. But this is one thing I, we probably may not be laughing at. Because the danger of artificial intelligence enslaving human beings may be more real than a science fiction. Right? So, what they're saying is that... Uh, How to save humanity? How to save humanity? For Stephen King's Hawking, colonize another space. And for Elon Musk, 
we colonize Mars. So they send a rocket. SpaceX sent a rocket. And um, uh, he sent a Tesla Roadster as a, as, as a load here. And look at the picture. It's amazing. This is from the satellite. And you can see the mannequin and the Tesla Roadster. And here, this has become Starman, the dummy, the Starman on Falcon Heavy. This is the picture. And by 2020, the first cargo load is going to be sent there. And 2024, they expect that some people will go there. This is a real thing, colonizing Mars. To do what? To escape from the doomsday and dark age of the earth. Right? To prepare for the doomsday and the dark age that is coming. See, one thing that God gave to the mind of people is this amazing scientific mind and able to see things that are going to come. And in Second Peter 3.10, this is how the Bible describes. It says, the heavens that we know will going to be end with a loud roar of noise. And the elements in it will be burned by fervent heat. And the earth and its work will be burned by it. That's how Peter described the end of the world. The heavens will disappear with a loud noise, a roar. The elements will be heated, burned by this fervent heat. The earth that we know, the work that we know, will be burned up. And that will be the end of the world. It was described there. What then? What then? Rightly, Stephen Hawking, Elon Musk, described that the world will end. I believe that. And we should believe that. The world, as we know, will end because it says in Revelation 21, I see a new heaven, new earth. What should we do then? What should we do then? I want us to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He is in the temple. And he will go to Pilate's court. And he will be tried. And the word that he says has meaning to us. So we've been to Mars. We've been to space. Uh, some of us been to the moon. I want us to come down to Silicon Valley. So are we down now? Yes. Let's come down to Silicon Valley and talk about this. In my office is this photograph autographed frame and this is by Jim Irwin the eighth person that walked on the moon and this is what he said God walking on earth more important than man walking on the moon Christ came to the earth to bear witness that he is of the truth and he has the eternal life. Yes, amen. Now, if we keep our eyes on space, if we keep our eyes on, Mer uh, on Mars, we may miss the Lord Jesus Christ who is right here with us. 
So Christ is saying it. I have come to bear witness to the truth. And I have the eternal life. Now I want you to bear witness to the glorious work of God and of me to others. So they may also have eternal life. So born because. Why are you on planet earth? Why are you on planet earth? Why are you in Silicon Valley? Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Why are you on planet earth? And why are you in Silicon Valley? When we look at the universe, when we look at the stars and the sun, when we study the Big Bang, when we study the black hole, and when we look at the concept of the people like spontaneous fluctuation, gravity, and singularity, you know, and this super intelligence, artificial intelligence, uh, it blew our mind, and sometimes we lose focus that Christ came to earth. And he has the key and the secret and the mystery of the kingdom of God. And do you know what that secret is? Do you know what that secret is? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And whoever has the Lord Jesus Christ has the mystery of the universe and the mystery of the kingdom of God. Do you have it? Do you have it? And you know, this scientific explanation may be too high for us to understand. The sun's too hot. You know, the moon's too cool. I don't know. But Jesus came to earth and explained this complex thing in family system. And I want to explain that. Okay? So that's why space, Mars, moon, let's come to earth in Silicon Valley. And how he describes this kingdom of God. And this kingdom is in the metaphor of a marriage. Right? So he said that you are the bride, I am the bridegroom. And the church is the bride, and I am the bridegroom. And one day we're going to be united, and you will understand this mystery of this marriage. And those who know the Lord Jesus Christ have the mystery and the secret already is the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? And then he said, this is how he said for us to understand, Submit to one another. Okay? Submit to one another. And he said, um, Love one another as I have loved the, the church and given myself to the church. What he's saying is, a husband should be willing to die for his wife. What he's saying is, a wife should be willing to die for her husband. That they should submit one another and respect one another. Right? How is this related to there is no God, nobody created to the universe? Because it's related because Christ came and walked on this earth and helped us explain the kingdom and the mystery of God through relationship in the church with one another and with husband and wife. So, Silicon Valley has the highest suicide and the highest divorce rate in the world. Right? And these scientific heroes and mine are looking for immortality, singularity, superintelligence, 
creating artificial intelligence and become a spiritual being, which is great. Scientific advancement, if it is sanctified by God, it will be a great thing for humanity. But let me just ask one question. Is it worth dying for your wife? Are you born because you should be willing to die for your wife? Because when you're pursuing the space 120 hours a week, 100 hours a week, your relationship, your marriage, your children are lost. As you get lost in space, you get lost what you have here on earth. Many CEOs have committed suicide. Marriage is falling apart. One similarities of great minds and science heroes like Einstein, Steve Jobs, and Elon Musk is their ability and the struggle to connect with people. Steve Jobs' first girlfriend said he was always awkward and disconnected. Einstein said, I never truly belong to any country, to any people, not even to my family. And their struggle was social and relationship. Let me tell you this morning, God did not create you for isolation. He created you for involvement. You heard that, right? God did not create you for isolation. He created you for involvement. Involvement. Involvement with your husband and with your wives and your children. If you're single, Involved with your family, with your friends. If you're married, your marriage may be the most important thing and the most important cause that you should live for. Elon Musk, when he was launching the Model 3, and I'm going to end with this story. When he was launching the Model 3, Tesla, we didn't know what he was going through, but now we know now because of his interview with Rolling Stone. And this is what he said. I have been in severe emotional pain for the last few weeks. Severe. It took every ounce of will to be able to do Model 3 event and not look like the most depressed guy around. Right? What did he have to do? I had to psych myself up, drink a couple of Red Bulls, hang out with positive people, and then like, tell myself, I have all these people depending on me. All right? Do it. What's he got to do? If I'm not in love, if I'm not in long-term companion, I cannot be happy. I will never be happy without having someone going to sleep alone kills me. This is the CEO of SpaceX who sent the rocket to colonize Mars. And here on Earth, he is in severe pain 
because he broke up with his girlfriend, Amber Hurt. The CEOs here, the VPs, engineers, IT technicians, doctors, lawyers, pharmacies, whoever you are, they're all looking for a loving relationship. And if we, Santa Clara First Baptist Church, give, keep our eyes on the space, on Mars and the moon, and forget the people that are right in front of us, we have lost the cause of why we were born. People will see there is God because of your love for them. Not to fight with our mind and our brain. God exists. This is how God exists. We will never be able to come to a scientific agreement on the evolution and the beginning of the earth and the universe. It's so complex. So complex. We need to ask the worship team to come. I want, to, I want you to take time to think about this. And I'm going to give you something, a suggestion. Since I'm married, let me start with married couples. These two weeks, leading up to Easter Sunday, I want you to give everything to your marriage. I want you to give everything to your marriage and allow God to work in it. And hope that you will have a resurrecting experience as you come to Easter. If you're single, I want to suggest first that you give everything to yourself to Christ and to God and be content and be at peace in your singleness. And the second thing is that you work your relationship with other people and if there are unforgiveness and bitterness and unhealed, unmended relationship that you will work these two weeks. Work on relationship. Married, unmarried, old, young. For the youth and the high school, other people. Work to connect with a new person and invite them to Easter Sunday. Invite them to Easter Sunday. I am preparing an Easter Sunday that will not be pushy, pushing down the throat, but relevant to the culture here, welcoming, inspiring, uplifting. I don't know what that would look like. Sounds like easy. Can we close our eyes and take a moment to think about our action to this sermon? Let's take a personal time.
Jesus said, I was born for this cause and for this cause I came to the world to bear witness to the truth. To have eternal life. We must also bear witness to the mighty works of God and to Jesus that people may come to the saving knowledge of the Lord. So in this time of the quest for immortality, singularity, superintelligence based on the Godhead, people need to know the full knowledge of the message and the mission of the Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. And how do we do that? I'm suggesting we come down to earth and look at the person that is closest to you. And if you're married, that you will give everything to your marriage to him and to her and be willing to die for him and her as Christ gave his life for the church. And if you're single, you'll be willing to give your life to God and also be willing to give to your family, to your friends, and to your children that you'll be a great father, great mother, great single father, great single mother, that they can see Christ in you. May I suggest to build a new relationship, somebody that you can invite them to Easter Sunday, especially for youth, young people. One thing the Lord's been working with me in Santa Clara First Baptist Church when I raised the question why I'm here in Silicon Valley is to bear witness to the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. One thing I know in my heart is I love you. I love this church. I love the people here. Pray for them. Pray for you. I want to continue to love you better as your pastor. There may not be a one takeaway. But I pray that the Holy Spirit will give you your takeaway for the week. One action plan that you can do during these coming two weeks. Let the Spirit give you that. Through the journey we have taken with Jesus to the temple and to Pilate. May our prayer rise up to Him like sweet, in, sweet incense. <laughs> 